Some of the topics discussed on Blackbird, an advocacy podcast, may be difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, Blackbirds, welcome to episode 44 of Blackbird, an advocacy podcast. I am your host, Sarah, and um, with me is um, my littlest co-host today, Chandler, because he really wants to be involved. Um... I am recording this again while Dan is at work, so we we will not be hearing from him, unfortunately, but hopefully on the next episode, we will we will get him on. So today's episode is going to revolve around a story about a man who was sexually assaulted in the UK. And I wanted to bring this story to everybody's attention because um, it's very difficult especially for men who are victims of sexual assault to come forward with what has happened to them. Um, I'm going to go through some statistics, uh, but I, I just, no matter who you are, sexual assault can happen to any anybody, any single person, male, female, trans, uh, non-binary, anything you consider yourself, sexual assault can unfortunately happen to you. And it can happen at any age and in any location and with or without alcohol, not depending on what you're wearing. You can be wearing anything from head to toe and it can still unfortunately happen. And that's because we haven't gotten to the root of the problem of fixing rape culture. We always want to blame the victim and we always want to tell people how not to be victims, but we really need to be starting with telling people how not to be perpetrators. That's where the problem lies. And that's why, again, we do Blackbird and Advocacy Podcast, because we want to bring that to everybody's attention, that we need to end rape culture. So with that, here are some statistics. And because this uh, case took place in the UK. I'm going to go over some statistics from the United States as well as the United Kingdom. And at the end of the episode, I will be uh, providing resources and information for, uh, for both the UK and the US, um, just in case we do have UK listeners on this episode. So in the United States, about 3% of American men, or 1 in 33, have experienced an attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. Now, that's the ones that are reported. 3% are the reported ones. We can figure there are probably a lot more that go unreported. We have heard about um, female victims not wanting to report because of various reasons. So, Rapes don't get reported often enough, regardless of the, the, the sex or gender of the victim. But when it comes to males, unfortunately, there's still so much stigma surrounding it that they're even more reluctant to come forward and report that they have been sexually assaulted. And one out of every 10 rape victims in the U.S. is male. One out of 10. So... That's that's a significant number. There are it it happens. It it really happens unfortunately too often. And as of 1998, 2.78 million men in the United States had been victims of attempted or completed rape. 
And these are statistics that come from RAIN, R-A-I-N-N.org. And of course, I will provide all of this information in the show notes for everyone to look at and examine themselves. Now, as for the UK, this is from rapecrisis.org.uk. The year ending March 2017, this information is from the Crime Survey for England and Wales, also known as the CSEW. It was estimated that 4% of men had experienced some type of sexual assault since the age of 16. So that's about 631,000 male victims, 4% of men. Again, the number is probably higher because they are reluctant to come forward and report. So these numbers are just the ones that have been reported. They also note that 0.8% of men aged 16 to 59 had experienced a sexual assault in the last year. So almost 1%. And again, this is just those that have reported. All right. So with the statistics out of the way, I am now going to get into the case of Sam Thompson. In 2016, Sam was a 22-year-old man who had just moved to Manchester with his girlfriend. He had plans to become a professional DJ, and he was a bright-eyed young man with all these dreams ahead of him. According to his BBC article, uh, which again I will put in the show notes, he says that everything changed on one night. His best friend had come to visit so they could have a night out in the city. Again, he had just moved to Manchester, so this was a big deal. His friend was coming for them to have you know, their first night out um, after his move. By the end of the night, though, they had gotten separated. And he says that he had lost his phone in the club earlier that night. So he waited for his friend on the street and he got to chatting with a group of of guys. And he says he was he was a bit drunk. It was four in the morning. And, you know, why not? Just let's chat. Guy's just standing outside a bar. He's waiting for his friend. Absolutely. His friend ended up not showing up. And the group of guys that he had met had invited him to go somewhere else with them for another drink. And he decided, yeah, why not? These guys seem friendly. My friend is nowhere around right now. I'm having a good time. I don't want this night to end. I'm going to I'm going to go hang out more with these guys. He thought that he was being taken to another bar with these guys, but when they ended up at the location, he slowly started to realize that it was actually a hotel that they had brought him to. He said it was about seven or eight of them, and they ended up in a hotel room. People started falling asleep. It's late. Or, or early, whichever you want to look at it. Um, they're at a hotel. They were partying. So people are starting to, to get to sleep. 
after most of the guys fell asleep, it ended up just being Sam and two of the other guys who he had come back to this hotel with. He was about to go home. He had his girlfriend waiting for him. He probably figured she was extremely worried about him, didn't know where he was. Again, he didn't have a cell phone, so he couldn't contact her. She couldn't contact him. I'm sure her mind was going crazy. <laughs> and he decided, you know what, I just I want to get home. I want to I want to get back to my girlfriend. However, the guys had persuaded him to stay for another drink. He said after having this drink, everything went hazy. He didn't know if the drink had been spiked or if it was just that he had had too much to drink, but he did not feel right. Things did not seem right. And he didn't really remember what happened next. He said he could kind of figure out what was going on, but was trying desperately to block it out. The two men that he was left with had started taking off his clothes and he said he didn't fight back. He said he went on autopilot. And again, as we have talked about, this is a completely normal response for the body when they are going through something traumatic. Your body wants to protect you and it's going to do that in whatever way it finds to be the best for you in that moment. So in this instance, he did not fight back. He was unable to. He said the whole thing was a complete blur and he froze. And the next thing he remembered was waking up, leaving the hotel and walking home around 8 a.m. He said he didn't even know if the men were still at the hotel. At that point, he was just going through the motions of the day. He he went to an ATM, got some money out to pay his rent, and was still thinking, I just need to get home and see my girlfriend. And he said that it wasn't until he was crossing by a bridge by where he lived that it actually hit him of what happened. He said, quote, if I end it now, I won't have to tell anyone what happened. As he walked past that bridge, he contemplated suicide. He felt so shamed and, he, and embarrassed by what had happened. He didn't want to tell anybody what had happened. He didn't even know 100% what had happened. But he knew most of what it was and that it was not right. And he, he felt ashamed. And again, as we say all the time, there is no reason for a victim to feel ashamed after something like this. It is not your fault. Thankfully, Sam passed by that bridge and did not do anything to harm himself. As soon as he got back to his apartment, he opened the door and immediately started crying. He 
thankfully also told his girlfriend and his best friend about what had happened. I can't imagine how difficult that was for him to be able to tell them right right away. But it was something that obviously he needed to do. And they comforted him and they supported him. Which is absolutely an incredible thing. That's about where the support ended. Sam decided to report this to the local police. But when he did, he began to feel shamed and like he had done something wrong. Which brought him right back to those feelings of when it first happened. When he was at the police station, he was taken into a room to be interviewed and they asked him things like, have you ever cheated on your girlfriend or have you ever had a gay experience before? And these are victim blaming questions. These are not questions that should be asked of somebody who has just been sexually assaulted. These are not questions that should be asked of anybody who has been sexually assaulted if you are discussing with them a sexual assault case. This is not trauma-informed. And we have that whole episode about trauma-informed interviewing, which is what all police need to be trained on, because it is not okay to ask these questions and this is the way that you're not that you're going to get your interviewee the victim to shut down and not answer questions and you're never going to get to the bottom of what has actually happened which is part of the reason why it is so difficult to get through an actual sexual assault case and bring it to trial Police need to be supportive, and in this case, they were not. And I'm going to speculate that it probably partly was because he was a man reporting having been sexually assaulted. If you are anyone who is reporting to the police that you have been sexually assaulted and they are not taking you seriously or they are not giving you compassionate care or trauma-informed interviewing, and they are not being empathetic towards your situation, and you feel like you have nowhere else to go, you do have somewhere to go. You can speak to your local rape crisis center, call uh, the national hotlines. I will give those that information at the end of this episode. Or speak to an attorney. There is always another place that you can go and they will help you navigate how to get through the system. They can actually um, figure out if you should speak to different detectives or different officers, whatever it is in in your uh, precinct. They will help navigate everything for you. So don't just stop. and, And I know that that's really difficult when you feel like nobody's being supportive, especially the people who are supposed to be helping you in this situation. But there are there are people out there who want to help and there are people out there who will help. You just have to find them. So again, if you're feeling like the police are not on your side and you're not getting it anywhere with them, speak to an actual rape crisis center 
A lot of them will also have legal counsel on staff that you can actually get legal advice from. And they'll all advocate for you, which is their purpose. So don't think that your case is just going to be shut down right there. So Sam said that he felt like the police did not believe him. He did inform them of some things that he could remember, and they found him on the CCTV from the night of the assault. He still, at that point, was not allowed to wash himself or change his clothes until he had gone to a sexual assault referral center, which is um, basically the, the equivalent of what we have here in the emergency departments in order to get examined for forensic evidence, as well as get his blood tests done and be given um, HIV medication or uh, PrEP or PEP, depending on where you are, what it's called. After a long, long day, he was finally able to go home and take a shower and get back into his normal feeling body for, you know, whatever it's worth at that point. After about a month, he tried to get back to a quote unquote normal life and decided he just wasn't going to talk about the rape. He felt as though not talking about it or avoiding thinking about it would actually help him move on. But as most of us know, as we talk about on the podcast all the time, bottling up your emotions or your thoughts or anything traumatic that has happened to you is never going to be the solution to the problem. You have to get to the root of the problem. Go to therapy. Talk to your friends. Talk to those who are supportive. There are always, again, people there who are going to be willing to listen. And you have to find those people. You have to talk about what has happened. And it doesn't have to be the next day. It doesn't have to be a month. But you need to talk about it and you cannot think that just avoiding the subject is going to help it go away. And it's, it's absolutely not. Sam said that because of the way that he was going about everything, he actually ended up breaking up with his girlfriend. Uh, things became very difficult for him in the intimacy department he did not feel comfortable having sex with people um, with his girlfriend, especially it just broke down and they they ended the relationship. He did find out that the men who had sexually assaulted him had been arrested in relation to his case, but unfortunately the case was dropped. The police had told Sam that it was hard to prove whether or not he had consented to what had happened. Now, again, I don't know the laws in the UK. However, in most states here in the US, being unconscious 
or almost unconscious, uh, being that intoxicated as he was that night, that does not provide consent. Consent cannot be given if you are not in the proper state of mind to give consent. So I think I did a mini-sode on the laws surrounding that kind of stuff in all the states. But again, you know, in look them up in your state because some states don't have that as a requirement. And it's really, it's unfortunate. And you know what I'm going to say to you. Um, so I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to skip that part. Um, but it's really important to know what is going on in your laws. After being angry about the situation and completely understandably so, Sam decided he was going to actually reach out for help. He realized that not talking to anybody about it was not helping him in any way. So he decided it was time to go speak to someone. He found the Survivors Manchester and they actually now use Sam's story to help train police officers in compassion and empathy in dealing with victims of sexual assault. So I, we say it all the time and it's really unfortunate that it has to happen this way, but this case was not in vain. Um, a lot of good came of this because, again, because of the way that Sam's case was handled by the police, this this company now uses him and his case and his situation and his journey to teach police officers this is what not to do. And that is an absolutely fantastic, fantastic thing. So last I heard about Sam, and I'm tr I've been trying to find more information about him, but I couldn't even, his Twitter seems to be deactivated since like 2019, I think. It seemed as though he did go to law school um, to become an attorney or a barrister, um, as they call it in the UK. Uh, I don't know how that panned out. I don't know if he is an attorney at this time. So if anybody actually has any information about him, I would love, love, love for you to send it over to me because I really would like to see what has come of him. Um, I think he used this situation to to make other lives better. And that's just such a beautiful thing. And I love seeing that when survivors can turn it into advocacy for others. So that's the end of Sam's story. But as I mentioned in the beginning with the statistics, this happens all too often and it happens all over the world. Just because of your sex or gender or age or location, it doesn't mean that you're immune to this. But again, we have to start figuring out the solution to the problem as a whole. We need to teach people about proper consent from an early age 
and we need to ensure that society is not going to crumble under rape culture. We need to change the narrative. If you or someone you know has been sexually assaulted, the phone number you can call in the United States is the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673, or you can go to their website at rainn.org. If you are in the UK, you can call the Confidential Emotional Support Line at 01708-765200. You can email them at info at supportline.org.uk. And you can go to their website at supportline.org.uk. And again, I will put all of this in the show notes. Please do not feel ashamed if this has happened to you. Please reach out for help. And of course, you can always contact us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com or on our Instagram at blackbirdadvocacy to get information or resources or just to talk if you need to just talk. I am not a therapist, but I will 100% talk to you and support you and try to advocate for you as best I can. And as mentioned, if you feel like you you are not being supported by those that are supposed to support you in the legal world, in the law enforcement world, so if you have reported a rape or a sexual assault and you feel like it's not being taken seriously, please find your local rape crisis center and Speak to them about next steps. Most of them will have a legal team that will give you legal advice or can help you navigate the system. If you cannot find somebody in your area in that respect, again, please contact us. I will find resources for you. Or you can just go straight to an attorney if you feel like that's the best course of action right away and that is perfectly fine. Lawyers are there to advocate for you and find justice. So with that, if you or someone you know has a story you would like to share on Blackbird, you can email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com. You can find us on all social media platforms as well as all podcast platforms, And the easiest way to get to all of those is our bite size, B-Y-T-E-S-I-Z-E dot M-E slash Blackbird Advocacy. And that is all for today. Thanks. everyone i am nick and i'm russ and if you're looking for a podcast about current events that's well informed highly educated and safe to share with your whole family that's not us nope it's not but here at the nick and russ don't know anything podcast we have an opinion about everything and don't mind sharing it that we do new episodes every wednesday and saturday check us out at nickandrust.com and find us on apple spotify iHeartRadio, and many more including youtube thank you and i love you all 
We are Pod Jerky, two Canadian buddies serving up multi-flavored audio jerky in every episode. If you like good times, strong coffee, maple syrup, swamp donkeys, hockey, the outdoors, common sense, dogs, conspiracy theories, sports, and life in general, then subscribe and follow our podcast and check out our social media channel at Pod Jerky. Pod Jerky, make it a double.